are the voyages of the starship Therapize. Its continuing mission, to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Computer, but I am the captain of this ship. Ah, there you are, sir. Bright and early, I see. Now, you listen here, Spock. You're just in time. In time? What do you mean? For Dune, sir. I got us a secret early screening. It's waiting for us in Holodeck 3. And I see the alarm ensured a timely arrival. I just... I don't know what to say. Speechless! That means I've done an excellent job on your birthday surprise. <laughs> birthday. Uh, sure. Let's let's just start the show. By all means. Uh, uh. Hi, everybody. I'm Justine Maston, LMFT, Yogini, writer, captain of this particular ship, and I have a cold. Regular old American cold. Welcome aboard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. I'll do mine. And I'm Larissa Garski, LMFT, writer, researcher, Spocky, and first officer, and I've successfully surprised the captain. Just a reminder to the listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Okay, so uh, so we watched Dune. We sure did. Both and of them. Both of them, because after the first newest Dune by Denis Villeneuve, Denis, I hope I pronounced mm -hmm. your name right, both you and I felt like we hadn't gotten enough of mm -hmm. Dune. So we thought, what could be more fun than sitting down with David Lynch's Dune? Yeah, which he has now completely... De like he's like this is not a this is not a lynch production <laughs> i disown it i disown this dune yeah he, he said i divorce you i divorce you i divorce you three times in the woods and then and... he jumped over a broom but in reverse order <laughs> to my knowledge his producer who um supposedly is responsible for making the filming such an unpleasant experience for david mm-hmm I need to say right now, producer, that I am going to butcher the pronunciation of your name. So here we go. Um, producer Rafaela De Laurentiis. Oh, uh-huh. Um, that apparently 
No, 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 no. I was wrong. Was it Dino who made it so hard for him? If I'm going to be shitbagging Dino, I feel like I need to I need to know for sure. One of the De Laurentiis is... <laughs> You're the one that knows about celebrity gossip, not me. I know. Yeah, but in, in any event, um, I, I do believe I had seen Dune 1984, like, in 1984, um, but I have no recollection of that other than it was boring and creepy. And upon a rewatch, I would say those were both accurate. So go Youngling Kirk. You had excellent. (laughs) You had excellent taste back then. You really, uh, well, how old would you have been in 1984? Five. Wow. Or four, depending on what time of year it was. You think you watched this dude when you were four or five? No, like maybe I was six, seven or eight, but. Sure, but still. Because probably, probably yeah. they didn't, probably no one took me to the theater to see Dune. Sure. Um, but they didn't I, drop you off and say, all right, go on, go see the Dune. <laughs> we'll be back when, in two and a half hours. I mean, to be fair, it was the 80s. So that's, that's not right. that weird. You would have walked yourself. <laughs> is what you would have done. I, I, I probably wouldn't have walked myself because mm. I would have had to go downtown. Sure. No, that would have been um, too far. But me with a buddy? To walk downtown? That would not have been that weird. Um, at, at six, seven, or eight. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe at five. Yes. But whatever. It was the 80s. It was a different time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure I watched this like on a television-sized screen, so it would have been like once, once it was available to rent on VHS. Sure. Or, so, so then, or Betamax. <laughs> or Betamax, yes. Yeah. So maybe like seven. yeah so like yes well done young you i have to admit i'm a little surprised that young you took this like more critical perspective because i'm more used to stories of young movie viewer you just like embracing and no this film though you you did not embrace no and i i have it didn't become a core memory no. Um, but I just, like, anytime someone would talk about watching Dune or Dune would come on and, mm. like, the option would be available to watch Dune, I would be like, no, I don't think I like that one. And now that I've rewatched it, I don't think I picked up on these things at the time. Well, no. But there's some, there's some real issues with this film. There are so many issues <laughs> with with Dino's Dune, and we're now gonna we're officially gonna call it Dino's Dune. Okay. David Lynch has he like rejects all parts that he had in this film, mm-hmm. um, so it's gonna be Dino's Dune in part because I can't pronounce Dino's last name, and fine, why butcher something when you don't have to? Yeah, so Dino's Dune. What yeah. now in the with the benefit of of aged wisdom? Yes, yes. I mean they clearly like we're working with the times, right? Like the some some of just the straight up visual effects yes are not going to be any good at all. Although I do feel like you put this up against something like Star Wars, mm. which came out 5 years earlier. 
Which is fascinating to note. It'll surprise you not at all that our producer brought this up to me. And his his thought was that the Star Wars folks really understood what could be done in the 80s well. Mm-hmm. And Dino's crew <laughs> did not have a sense of what 80s technology could versus could not do. <laughs> they were like, surely there's no way to just like put some sort of highlighting around a person to indicate that they have a force field instead of enclosing them in a box. <laughs> it's amazing though, because like now and at, at, in 1984, obviously no one would have put this together because um, Minecraft wasn't around back then, but it looks like what oh, happens yeah. is uh-huh. that um, <laughs> the actor who will one day pr- portray Captain Picard and Kyle MacLachlan, who plays Paul <laughs> It looks like they just like turn into Minecraft characters and then proceed uh-huh. to slowly wrestle. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's oh my god, it's so bad. It's not great. <laughs> um, so like there there's the just straight up terrible visual effects. Um, but my my visceral and upsetness <laughs> reaction to this film upon the rewatch that I felt tapped into younger me was the villain. Um, oh, yes. The, the, uh, the Baron. The Baron, yes. yes. Baron I Harkonnen. Did, I, did, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I did not like the Baron. Um, so the Baron in the 1984 Dune, mm-hmm. Dino's Dune, um, was so upsetting and uh, for something that, I, spoilers, I think you're going to talk about um, and we're going to put a just a content warning on here yes. that that uh, the 1984 Baron, uh, he seemed to be living the trope of the the villainous gay. Yes. yes. And not just the villainous gay, but the villainous gay uh, pedophile yeah yeah which is absolutely in the book and i don't say that to be like and and that makes it okay (laughs) i'm more just naming that in this instant dino's dune was tonally consistent with what is in the book um Mm -hmm. for those of you who know anything about the book series of dune and frank herbert the writer you will know that Frank had a, a a wide variety of ideas, and some of those ideas were interesting, like mm-hmm. the way that he attempted to bring um, some cross-cultural awareness into his conception of science fiction. Usually mm-hmm. science fiction, or like science fiction at the time that he was writing, had a tendency to be very like Christ-focused, and he really brought in uh, the Islam religion. Oh, that's in nice. some ways that yeah he brought in islam in ways that i think at the time were interesting and and at least to me and i'm very much someone who culturally codes as white and i am not a muslim so i mm-hmm. want to just like acknowledge that as part of my perspective which is that i still think it's interesting though mm-hmm. i very much acknowledge that perhaps it is not to many others mm-hmm. yeah um but one of the things that he did that was really awful and highly problematic both then and now is he was he was pretty famously um what is the word I'm looking for? Homophobic. 
or heterosexist? Heteros- both end, I think. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. I am, I am both terrified of and discriminating against. Yes, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm perhaps dealing with my own hidden attraction. Oh, sure. I mean, coming from a Freudian perspective, of course that's what's happening. Of course it is. It all makes sense. Sometimes a cigar is more a than penis. a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, circling all the way back around, it makes a lot of sense to me that like you as a young child would have been very afraid of mm-hmm. this particular villain because he he is he is so menacing, mm-hmm. and also just a, such a such a flamboyant such a flamboyant uh, performance, which is really upsetting now. And I would imagine it would it would have been upsetting back then had your like six year old consciousness really been able to take in all of the details there. Well, something was upsetting to me. Also, like, Ding and that other guy are supposed to be his nephews, and he's very clearly, like, leching on Sting. He's so very it's... into Sting and, his, and mm-hmm. Sting's Nazi underwear. Are they Nazi underwear? There is a scene where, like, you know the 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 Nazi bird? God, we're oh, going to have to put, like... Oh, my God! There's going to be so many warnings on this episode. But at any rate, there's that where like he gets Sting comes out of like the the tub or the sauna or wherever he yeah. is on their planet mm-hmm. and he has like the winged Yeah, I had I was on. I was so focused on how uncomfortable I was with the portrayal of this uncle. <laughs> yes. Who is already the villainous gay and and the villainous pedophile and now the villainous in Incestor. <laughs> yes, perpetrator of incest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yes. God. Also, it gives a negative stereotype to people who struggle with acne. Right. Oh, or uh, any sort of different body shape. That's true. And that is something that our the modern Dune arguably continues. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I... I watched this and I was able to laugh through every scene that did not have the Baron in it. And any scene mm. with the Baron in it, I was just like, oh, God, I remember why I never wanted to watch this. Aww. And then I was like, oh, my God, that's Sean Young. And <laughs> why is there a pug here? And that's pretty much my experience of doing 1984. <laughs> <laughs> the way you said that, it made it sound like that was the sum total of your experience of the year 1984. <laughs> I mean, pretty close. Pretty close. Um, Not big character development there. Let's like pour one out for Sean Young because Sean Young is an actress (laughs) who never got a fair shake in Hollywood. And I really do believe that she had the capacity to be a very interesting uh, Chani. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. If, If any women in this film had been given anything to do. I mean, like, the witches had some things to do. The, as they called them in Dino's Dune, the Benny Jesuits. <laughs> the first time I heard them pronounce it as the Benny Jesuits, I was like, certainly I have misheard. And I, and I, I was going to say I rewound the tape, but I didn't watch it on a tape. I just, like, rewound the streaming device. And I was like, no, 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 no. They, they have now decided to call them the Benny Jesuits. <laughs> as if they were some sort of like swing band 
Benny and the Jesuits. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. The the evil women had something to do. They did. The witchy women. Oh, their weirding ways. Oh my god, their weirding ways. Which they also melded with like reverend mothers. Yeah. In Dino's yeah. Dune, which I was like, just don't don't cheapen their witchiness by blending them <laughs> with Christianity. That yeah, and I okay, so I uh, I never read the Dune books because if you are a longtime listener, you know that I was a juvenile delinquent and I didn't like start reading for pleasure until I was in college. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I would like recommend the Dune books to you. I've only read the one, and I read the one during a period of undiagnosed depression. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I don't know if like that was like the time for me to be like making critical evaluations on literature. I remember thinking that it was it was solidly okay. All right. And that some parts I really enjoyed. And what I most remember is that like, it made me very sad that during the period where Frank Herbert was writing science fiction just like wasn't taken seriously. So they didn't get things like editors. Mm, sure. And so, we know how important an editor is. We sure do. <laughs> Here's looking at you, Shayna. Um and and Frank, among many things that he needed, he probably needed a hug from both of his parents. He needed and to talk about how it's okay to want a cigar. It, it right, you know, hours of that. Some solid group therapy. Um uh -huh. amongst all those things, he also needed a good editor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. That, make, that, that makes sense to me. But I, so I don't know what from Dune 1984 is pulled from the book and what is not. Um, uh, uh, should we, and friends at home, if you don't want to be spoiled about the 2021 Dune, I guess this isn't going to be your episode because we're going to talk about the 1984 Dune, which has an ending. Um, <laughs> <laughs> After a fashion. It has an ending. Yeah, I does the does the child witch that's basically Twilight's Renesme is mm -hmm. is that in the book? Aaliyah is in the book, <laughs> and their portrayal of Aaliyah is pretty faithful to how I imagined Aaliyah being. Okay, um, and in my state of deep depression, I remember really liking Aaliyah. <laughs> and did you I, like her in the 1984 here's Dune? the thing i have to be honest and say that i did and i don't <laughs> know well i would imagine that some of the reason i liked her is that like she benefited from like the juxtaposition of just all of the other <laughs> truly horrendous choices that had been made sure. and being represented on the screen um mm -hmm. So I kind of, I liked her, like, creepiness, and I liked her sass. Um, <laughs> my brother is coming. Her voice I did not like so much. <laughs> but, like, that paired with, Baron. like, that paired with, like, the look on the child actor's face who was doing it. Like, it seemed like she was having a really fun time. <laughs> For some reason, I found that so much more upsetting. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Because I, what was happening for me, and I realized, like, I usually I am able to stay very much in the moment. I was not able to do that with Dune 1984. Um, I was like, this child has no idea what film she's in. 
Um, they That's were just telling true. her to say these things. Yes. And mm-hmm. she, she's giggling and she has no idea oh. this film she's in. And there was something about that that was really upsetting for me. Because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, God, child actor probably being traumatized, having to look at the Baron and he's so creepy. Oh, sure. This is making me think of... Um, there is like a huge subgenre on YouTube of like cute children saying things that only adults would say Mm. and is it cute or is it upsetting um i find it to be very upsetting because it's very clear that like they are following directions from like not mama rose but what's mama gypsy what's her name is it mama rose mama rose Rose. Rose. it's very it's to me it seems like they're very clearly like following instructions from mama rose who's off camera um Mm -hmm. and so i think all of that was there with 1984 Dino Stunes Aaliyah. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, my brain was like, we are going to fanfic this okay. into this yeah. child, like having fun telling off an adult. Okay. I I like that fanfic. Yes. Uh-oh. My my brain did too. <laughs> it is absolutely fanfic though. What you describe is probably what was happening. Yeah. I surely we could probably find uh video evidence of this child actor talking about that experience she would be about my age wherever she is i hope that it's it's a nice place a peaceful place (laughs) i don't know why that made me think of this but i'm gonna name it so i don't forget it um which is that it seemed like someone involved in dino's dune really had it out for people with red hair the gingers, if oh, you will. Because all uh-huh. the Harkonnens had or vibrant orange hair, which I don't recall mm-hmm. being in the book. Okay, sure. Made, so, a, made a stylistic choice. And yeah. there, there were a few moments in this film that mm-hmm. felt so Lynchian to me. And I, I would was agree like, with that, yes. You know, David definitely had his hand in here somewhere. Yes, and that brings me to the second... Like, numbers don't matter at this point because we're really freewheeling it today in the spirit of (laughs) Dune. Um, So who knows what what number this actually is for me. But, like, Mm -hmm. this brings me to one of the things that really bothered me a great deal in 1984, Mm -hmm. Dino's Dune, which is the voiceover narration. Oh, sure. By literally every single character. Right. (laughs) you do you want to know what i'm thinking just wait a moment and i will voice over my thoughts so that you don't have to infer anything (laughs) i will i will whisper voice over my thoughts and like we don't even need that because the dialogue such as it is is simply characters in rooms shouting their emotions motivations and entire life history at each other which is very lynchian yeah Huh. I don't remember that from, um, why can't I think of it right now? Twin Peaks? Twin Peaks, yeah. Twin Peaks was like the least Lynchian of the Lynchians. Okay. Um, But it's still like the very stunted sort of dialogue Mm -hmm. where it it doesn't flow easily generally. It's like we are... We are paper characters in a paper Mm -hmm. room having a paper conversation. Which, I don't know why he enjoys that. I don't know why that speaks to him, but 
there were some of the conversations where I was like, oh, yeah, this this one he got to have control over. This is like, sure? I do not want to be king of house. Oh, I do not want to be the Duke of House Atreides. But my son, you must be the Duke of House Atreides. Here is yes. a bug. <laughs> I was like, OK, David Lynch had some hand in this. I really loved the scene where it's the family and uh-huh. the pug. <laughs> and they're like on the ship that's like going to be, I guess, landing on Arrakis. And it, mm-hmm. it, it does like a slow pan to Papa and mm-hmm. Mama and then baby Kyle McLaughlin and finally Aww. the pug. <laughs> I also love that like the pug attended various battle scenes. Yes, he was strapped to Patrick Stewart for the battle scene. <laughs> Truly, like, I regret no moment of watching this film because it was just that bananas. <laughs> I, um, my, my partner, Eli, stayed awake for, I don't know, maybe a third of 1984 Dune because we watched it immediately upon returning home from watching Dune 2021. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> he was like why is there a battle pug I'm like i don't know but just for days afterwards I, randomly throughout the day he would shout pat uh, battle pug <laughs> so that really spoke to him that's really great i don't i don't know what parts really attached to that but i'm i'm glad i'm glad that uh, some parts did mm-hmm. yeah and then he sent me an article that someone had written about why is there a pug in 1984 dune what did this person conclude um, that pugs were the dogs of aristocracy and that sure. it was meant to be a, a tip of the hat to, cause, uh, I think it's Dune 19 or Dune 2021 that the, um, the fashions were done in the style of the Romanoffs. Oh. Yeah. So it, I don't know what 1984s were fashioned after, but. They felt a little Romanoffy, but more than anything, they felt Nazi. <laughs> there was a it lot. It all felt a little Nazi. It all felt a little Nazi. And what I, I don't know how I feel about it, but what I definitely noticed is that like the Nazi aesthetic was, it wasn't unique to Hars, House Harkonnen. It was like mm-hmm. applied to all of the major noble houses. Mm-hmm. Which, like, at least a part of me liked because it was, I I took that to be indicating that there's no such thing as noble power. Mm -hmm. You would take that. That's true. And I did. (laughs) Indeed, I did. But then, of course, like the Remen, Remen, is that right? The name of the... The Fremen. Fremen. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, like, the Fremen, I didn't feel like they had... As much to do in Dino's Dune as they, they did, did in not. Dune 2021. Like, they just sort of showed up and clearly they they weren't shown as quote-unquote savages because no. they were like, look, we made these aqueducts. But otherwise, they were like, yeah. show us your weirding ways. Aqueducts. Like, this is your entire personality for your entire... Yes. Like. <laughs> this is in no way to counter what you're saying. It's more to add context, which is Dino's Dune spent like 
almost two hours setting up everything. Yeah. (laughs) And then left themselves like roughly 50 minutes for the final two thirds of this story. (laughs) And so the Fremen really featured heavily in the final two thirds of Dune, Mm -hmm. the book. And what instead happened in the final 50 minutes of Dino's Dune is it felt more like a music video montage. Yeah, le- training to fight, learning the weird and way. We built the aqueducts, but we aren't witches. Like, that's what it felt like. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I am in love and I have a girl, but I need to marry the empress. <laughs> and then it just like inexplicably ended as all music videos sort of like inexplicably end. Oh, oh my god because the child had to announce he is the whatever that word is oh that's what uh it's not been a jesuit the no. maudib he's the maudib uh well maudib was the word that he used for himself but wasn't there another word whatever there is hold on let me find it because you're right. it was like he is the gabe oh my god i really appreciate that when you look up paul atreides the first photo that appears is kyle mclaughlin of course it is he he was first and he's kyle mclaughlin that was the other thing i uh enjoyed about dune 1984 while you're looking up this name um was i got to i got to spot actors Mm -hmm. that lynch later reused in uh twin peaks that was fun so he is both the quizit hatterack quizit hatterack that's what little girl says because he is the quizit hatterack and then lightning and end of film (laughs) yep and that's how dino's dune ends I have now noticed that we have spent a good chunk of time simply processing, reacting, and doing our own personal narration of Dino's Dune, which I have found to be like really enjoyable, and I certainly hope that you have as well, listeners, but I don't think we've really talked about anything related to psychotherapy much at all. Um, no, but what we are doing is an isomorphic process, wherein our... (laughs) Our friends at home mm-hmm. are able to re-experience their own feelings of watching that film through our narration of experiencing watching that film. That is really beautiful. Well done. <laughs> Look at you. That is exactly what isomorphism is. It is the, yes, it's exactly what you said. You mm-hmm. One group of people has an emotional experience and mm-hmm. then a few more humans are invited in and those humans talk about that experience and then the new humans ex- re-experience it in real time. Mm-hmm. Because we are so, both meaning-making and mimicking creatures. There you go. There you we go. Ha- we've been doing isomorphism, so. So there it is. That's embodying, which is better. Than, well, maybe it's not better than teaching, but it is a form just of teaching. Just as good. It's just a form as of good. teaching. It totally is. Um, so whatever parts of you are thinking, but we aren't doing our job, <laughs> I would say nay parts. Nay but we parts. are doing our job. We are doing our jobs. We are doing our jobs so well. 
<laughs> That's right. But per- perhaps it will be more organic mm. to delve into some of the more psychological stuff with Dune 2021. I think that is correct. I think that's, you know, Dune, Dino's Dune is really more about like really being with feelings in real time. <laughs> because that's Dino's Dune. Yeah. Like, how do, how do you feel about this Baron who doesn't seem to have any motivation at all except for blood and forbidden erotic lust? Which is, just isn't a good motivator. I don't know if it's good or not. Well, yeah, I do. It's not well, good. I mean, I mean, it's morally, like, it's morally, not good, but, it's, it's not. but also, I mean, like, as a viewer, I'm like, what am I, what am I biting into here? Like, ooh. You don't want to bite into the Baron, that's for sure. <laughs> I definitely don't. You don't want to do that. But, and I wouldn't but, want to bite into Stellan Skarsgård's Baron either, but. I cannot if, believe that was Stellan Skarsgård. But his Baron was mm-hmm. was was fascinating to me. Yes, much much more complex. Yes. Absolutely. And now I'm like, but why is that? And I and I just like I'm seeing his face when he like rises out of the black goo. Mhm. Yeah, I mean, he's still a an upsetting character, but oh, it yes. seems very clear that everything he does is in the service of gaining his well, himself, but also his family, his clan, his whatever, more power mm. and more status, which seems to be the most important thing in the galaxy yes. to these noble houses. This is a human who, and I feel like we talked about this a bit in our most in our last episode. Mm-hmm. This is a human who has no interest in unburdening no. or passing back legacy burdens. Mm-mm. This is a person who has like like he literally carries them on his back. Mm. Yeah, he probably has some somatic pains. Well, and I'm thinking of they did such a great job of like how they shot him because there are those scenes where like you see that he has some sort of like spinal brace. Mm-hmm. Which I took as like both fortifying his external body and then also allowing him to like do his float thing. Mm Because he's not into walking anymore. Yeah, same. And this is where, like, is it a problematic depiction of a different, of a, of a larger body? It absolutely is. And I also took their use of him being, like, larger and needing this brace as symbolic of the fact that, like, he literally is carrying his entire house on his back. He is large Mm -hmm. because he's carrying all of this extra weight passed Mm -hmm. down through generation upon generation of the noble house to which he belongs. I could have done without the scene where he's like kind of grossly munching because that felt, that felt a bit too on the nose of like, just in case you didn't notice he's in a bigger body and it's because of how he eats. I didn't like that. Yeah. Yeah, I I hear that. I hear that. Yeah. So I, I'm just naming that. I don't I don't need mm-hmm. anything around it. Just okay. just naming you know, it. Mm-hmm. Just naming it. Putting it out in the world. Yeah. You know what I didn't need, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because we've we've already talked about many things that I know can be like un not just unpleasant but like profoundly upsetting to sit with. Yeah. But I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't name this, which is. 
that I didn't really see. I didn't see any sort of symbolic or narrative significance of having the two leads, the hero, the two heroes, Mm -hmm. which are Paul and Chani. I did not see the need of having them be portrayed as being so, so thin. Ah, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very highlighted how we see Timothée is. It's very highlighted. It's like it, it so it, it didn't feel so much like, well, you know, this is just who we cast and this is just like mm-hmm. how this human shows up in the world. It like they really spent time kind of highlighting it in a way that wasn't a neutral highlight. It was like, and look at this positive. Well, I mean, for sh- for sure for Paul, I didn't notice it as much for Connie. No, not yet. And, you know, we'll see what they do with part two, because mm-hmm. Chani's really only actively speaking for maybe 15, 20 minutes. In part one? In she part has, one? Uh, Zendaya is on screen for seven minutes. Okay. Well, my brain certainly rounded up. Let's <laughs> round it back down to reality of seven minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I know that because it was just all over the news. People were like, we thought she had this huge role. She was only on screen for seven minutes. Like, right, we're not to the Fremen yet. <laughs> no, I mean, like, she does have a huge role. I mean, if mm. if she doesn't have a huge role in part two, like, then absolutely, let's, like, get angry about it. But <laughs> there is, and I, I liked that they took as long as they did. But, like, again, mm-hmm. my recollection is what they turned into, like, a two and a half hour and some change film. Mm-hmm. It really is the first third of Dune, the book. Yeah, but you know what we needed more of, and I'm glad they took the time? Oscar Isaac's beard. That's right. Mm-hmm. Oscar. Oh, I could just look at Oscar all day long. I know. He is an absolute dreamboat. I am thrilled that Eli is now using Oscar Isaac's beard as beard inspo for the winter. Oh, and has, that is really exciting. And has looked up how they achieved the beard. So, wow. He's taking this seriously. Oh, yeah. He, he was not messing around with that beard. He was like, that is a fine beard. And I was like, a hard agree. <laughs> yeah, that's, and like the, the hair, it's, oh, my God. Yeah. Just so beautiful. So, no, I'm with you. I'm glad they took all that extra time because then we got more time with Oscar because major spoilers here, friends uh Lido it dies mm-hmm. yeah pretty early on he he did <laughs> very sad it is sad i was i was sad to see him go mm-hmm. um but we we do get him totally nude in his in his death scene you don't you don't get the full monty but it's always nice to see men yes equally naked for no reason in a film that's true and you know now that you're naming that i don't think there was naked women at all Mm-mm. in nope. this first part one of of denny's dune no it was that was very nice yes um i i appreciated that you know the <laughs> The the women weren't just throwing off their clothes for no damn reason, like so often happens in films. No, that's true. We got you a know. naked a naked uh, Stellan and a naked Oscar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And th- 
the and sort the of Baron's little ha- yeah the Baron's little helpers were wearing that plastic sheeting, but you couldn't yeah I, I don't think you could see through it, so that was nice. The Baron's little helpers, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I would like to spend some time. Yes, if we may. I, always. Um, Where shall we go? Talking about um, Lady Jessica and Paul. Mm, yes. Tell me your thoughts on Lady Jessica. Can I start by saying this? Yeah. We have so many interesting names in this story. <laughs> and, when, and when Frank <laughs> sat down to write, he like really like spent time coming up with these different, unique names. And yeah. then when it came to his hero and, and important mom... Mm-hmm. He named them Paul and Jessica. Yeah, it it very much made me think of Tolkien, who's oh. like, I wrote an entire language for elves. That this mountain is Mount Doom. <laughs> I just I'm tapped yeah, no, out. That's, yeah, yeah. He got tired. <laughs> right, that's true. Frankie got to the end, and he was like, Well, I don't know, Paul, Jessica. That's fine. Do a find, do a find and replace. I don't. <laughs> We'll get to it later. He didn't have an editor. An editor probably would have given him that note. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think editor would be like, it's fine for lead guy's name to be Paul. That we can justify that after 10,000 years, that that it, the biblical names have survived. Mm, we can yes. sell that. But Jessica. <laughs> Jessica. Let's go back to the drawing board. Let's go back. Let's go back. You could even call her... Jessica. That would be better. <laughs> Just mix it up a little bit. Uh-huh. It's been 10,000 years. Play with your vowels. Yeah. Right? This isn't that hard. Add an, add an umlaut. That's right. Uh. When in doubt, add an umlaut. <laughs> but anyway, um, I've really like pulled us off the beaten path. You would like to talk about Lady Jessica. Yeah, well, I would like to talk about her and... How her relationship with Paul was depicted. Hmm. Yeah. So I, I very much enjoyed that we had like a mother son, uh, buddy comedy. I didn't know that was going to happen because I didn't remember the original movie. I've never read the books. So I was like, cool. She's not just coming along to die in one of those cute dragonfly airplane accidents. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. She, well, she will yes. live. And you know, she's a powerful Witch, Witch, sorceress, person. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, a few things come up for me. The, the most glaring that I... Um, Eli said he did not see this in the film. I did. Mm-hmm. Was I felt like there was a weird sexual tension between them. I did not see that at all. Yeah. It w- it was highlighted for me in a scene where they're going to change clothes. And there's a lingering of each looking at the other before turning around to change their clothes. Hmm. Which was probably meant to be like, don't look at me, this is weird or something. But oh. Or maybe t- like we're, we're changing and we're not going to go back to who we once were. Oh, a very nice way to think of it. I truth be told I don't remember this scene much at all. So, I will I will defer to you. 
Yeah, it just, it didn't, f I don't want to say she didn't seem motherly to me, because that's not fair or exactly right. But it was like, and maybe because he was this supposed to be this strong, you know, chosen one, she saw him as equal or superior to her, but it was mm. just, there was a weird power dynamic thing happening that I felt. There is a weird power dynamic thing. I, I think it's there and I think it's in the books. I do wonder if maybe like some of what you're giving voice to, I read as, I wish this actress was bringing more. Mm -hmm. Like when you cast someone like Oscar Isaac, Oscar's bringing so many different emotional layers. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the actress who was portraying Lady Jessica was like, I think trying to lean into stoicism, but mm -hmm. what that what that ended up doing, at least for me as a viewer, was that like I didn't really know what she was feeling most of the time. Yeah. And so then it just became some sort of like divining Rorschach test thing. Right. I was doing too much projecting. And I was like, here are two attractive people on screen. It must get sexy at some point. Well, maybe, but like, and perhaps you were doing that because like, she wasn't giving you very much to work with. Mm, that, uh, that's very kind. <laughs> I was like pretty irritated. And I think part of my irritation is that I am very slowly watching scenes from a marriage. Which oh, stars... God, why? This would be like a good talk for maybe another podcast. But for okay, right now, I'm just I'm not watching that. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't suggest that we talk about it here I, like i meant like maybe that'll come up as an aside <laughs> and we'll spend more time there but um so i'm watching it and the animals get very upset when we watch it because there's so much fighting that's happening mm. and so then like they're like what's well, is it real are you fighting it's it's very hard for them <laughs> um so that's part of why we're watching it very slowly at my house um, but at any rate, I brought this up because Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain are mm. amazing as an acting duo. Mm -hmm. And I think because I had them in my head and then Oscar was there and then the actress who's playing Lady Jessica like walks under the frame and I was instantly disappointed. Her up. I don't know what else she's done. No, I don't really have. I will say that like, I liked the setup, um, both in just like in the story of Dune, mm -hmm. um, and they and actually no, I should they don't do this in Dino's Dune. They just completely decided not to make it a part of their Dune, but they do it in the this twenty twenty one version, and it's in the book where Paul's mother, Lady Jessica, has like her own legacy that she wants to pass on to her son that is separate and unique. From the legacy that his dad, the Duke, wants to pass on to him. Right, 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 and, right. And there definitely is both like external and internal sort of like fighting about what's going to happen, which legacy, which mantle will Paul take on. And I thought that that was a very nice move because so often when we get a hero's journey story, it's about patriarchy and inheriting something from the paterfamilias. But in this case, it was it was it was about that, and it was also about what he's inheriting from mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um 
I was listening and also looking up uh, Rebecca Ferguson and Timothee Chalamet's ages. She's only 12 years older than him. Oh. So I think that was part of what was happening for me. My God. She's only 12 years older than him? Mm-hmm. I don't know how old he's supposed to be in Dune, but... Well, um, Den- Denis, that just won't do. That just <laughs> will not do. My gosh. No wonder it felt weird. Mm-hmm. Right, because, I mean, she was born in 83, I was born in 79. I'm only 42, so... Mm-hmm. She, like... We, could, we couldn't get an actress who was at least, like, 16 years older than him? I mean, there are I know many... she's a concubine, which I didn't realize. <sighs> yeah, That I was know. at least highlighted in, in Dino's Dune. They did one of their shouting things where, like, she's a concubine. I was like, oh, thank you. I needed that juxtaposition. <laughs> like, yeah, so con- yeah, so in the context of the book... She- the Duke never marries her because he was like holding. It's like unclear. Was he holding out hope? Was his dad holding out hope? Maybe a both end that mm-hmm. he could marry the Empress or some iteration of the Empress. Um, oh. I think the Emperor has a bunch of daughters, and then perhaps he could one day become Emperor Supreme. And so leaders. that's no. the context that you. That's how one might make sense of. There's that scene near the beginning of the film between him and Jessica where he says, "I should have mm-hmm. married you." And he's clearly very sad that he never did. And like, mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, Oscar. Yeah, and I mean, I just assumed they were married because nothing indicated to me that they weren't. <laughs> yes. Fair. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate the conversation about different, different legacy burdens. Mm-hmm. And th- this kind of, this put Paul in a double bind. Mm. there were two different expectations of him as a young person and if he goes towards mom dad's disappointed if he goes towards dad mom's disappointed so he was never gonna make both of his parents happy at the same time no because he he couldn't be the duke witch the witch duke or certainly i would say like that he couldn't be the witch duke and like I don't remember which film it's in, but like in one of them, and it might be in this one, like dad makes it, Papa Oscar makes it very Mm -hmm. clear that like he doesn't want his son to be a witch. Mm -hmm. To which I say, that's for ladies. To which I say, well, like, look, look at the person that is your partner, my friend. Like, what, what did you think was going to happen here? Mm hmm. You know? Right. Well, and the, Supreme Lady Witch was mad that Jessica mm-hmm. was teaching him the weirding way. But Do they then, call it the weirding way. No, only okay, only in so. only in Dino's Dune. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was just so ridiculous. It is very ridiculous. That's true. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> but then they're like, "Oh, but he might be the chosen one." So, like, good right. job. He might be the the Quizat Hatterack. He is the Quizat Hatterack. <laughs> Again, what a title for Paul. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like you do find out that like Jessica has, I mean, she she, she definitely has some agency, mm-hmm. and it seems like there is an interest for Denis in continuing to have her be an active role 
Where that super started to fall apart was during the final scene of this Dune, Mm -hmm. where, like, his mom had just, like, fought off one of the Fremen, and then, and I don't, and then a different Fremen was, like, (laughs) was, like, I I challenge you in a duel. Mm Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason... Then Lady Jessica could not defend herself, though, like, yeah, two minutes prior, understand. she very clearly could. And then it had to be Paul, her tiny son. I'm so glad you didn't understand that either. I found that so confusing. I was like, what? isn't the point that she just challenged the leader and won? Isn't she the new leader now? Yes. <laughs> like... And then the old leader was like, we'll talk about that later. But then, like, nevertheless, his friend, his Fremen countryman persists. And then Paul has to fight him. Like, why? Why doesn't she have to fight him? I don't know. It felt like sexism. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, I did not get that at all. I had so many questions. And then, of course, he wins because he's the Quatzak Haderach. <laughs> the Coat Rack Haderach. <laughs> He's the coat rack, also known <laughs> as the Maudib. And I do just have to name this next bit, and I do promise that I mean this as no disrespect to Zendaya. And I also want to say that I do really appreciate that everybody had their regular accents and speaking voices in this film. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think it is so absurd, for example, that like Benedict Cumberbatch, when he was Doctor Strange, had to do like this awful mealy mouth American accent. I, like I hate when he does American accents. Like you cast Benedict because he looks like an English gentleman. So just have him show up as right. the man that you cast. Right. You you can change this other character to being a white woman. Mm. But somehow Doctor Strange couldn't have studied at Oxford. right come on friends come on anyway when Zendaya rolls up on the scene finally Mm -hmm. not like in person not in some sort of like halcyon vision Mm -hmm. um and she has her first words of dialogue because Zendaya herself has a very California accent Mm. it just like immediately took me out of the film oh really and suddenly I was like where are the Baja tacos (laughs) and again i'm glad that zendaya like is using her voice i would not change it in any like which way but Mm -hmm. like and i'm sure for many people they were like she's just speaking like a human Mm -hmm. and she is but it was i was just like where am i am i on arrakis am i in the middle of la (laughs) the fremen come from all over you know they really do and i definitely appreciated that in terms mm-hmm. of like their casting of the Fremen, really and truly. Yeah, no, I, I get you though. You're like, what's going to come out of her mouth? I, I appreciate that not everybody had to be British. Like, you yes. know, the aristocracy is British because Americans believe that British sound fancy. <laughs> mm. You know, it was like, yeah, the, the Lady Jessica is English. Paul's not. Mm-hmm. Oscar's very clearly Jewish. Ugh. As is Timothy. Oh, I always forget that about Timothy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we got, we got some star Jews up in here. <sighs> mm-hmm. 
one up for the chosen folk. Also, Jason Momoa was just delightful. I was very sad that they that he he died. He does die in the book, but I was just very sad. Mm, I I mean, clearly, I enjoyed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Duncan Idaho, absolutely. What a name! What Duncan a Idaho. terrible name! Uh-huh, I saw uh-huh. I saw a great meme recently that uh, was talking about Dune. It's like mm-hmm. there's magic space dusk that gets you high like okay accepted accepted you know Mm -hmm. this is a this is the chosen one god child okay okay this guy's name is duncan idaho rejected (laughs) (laughs) i'm out (laughs) just fascinating choices all around Mm -hmm. i feel like what's his name frank yeah the dude who wrote the book i feel like Maybe, like, Frank had whatever was the Kickstarter of his day. And, like, if you gave him a few bucks, you got to choose a character name. And That really would explain a lot, to be honest. It really would, if, like, he let friends and family or, like, named mm-hmm. certain characters after friends and family. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yes. like, if you contribute at the $1,000 level, you get to name the main characters. And that... That contributors' kids were named Paul and Jessica, and then they did. You, they did have more of a brother sister vibe, perhaps because there was just the twelve year age difference. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, maybe I. I would. I mean, it doesn't explain why it felt just the just a, just the touch, the weensiest bit. Well, but like, what have me. we learned about the aristocracy? Especially, well, I, sh- I shouldn't even uh, say especially in fiction. Just like, what have we learned about the aristocracy? Mm-hmm. Usually, some incest. Fair. I was reading something. Oh God, I can't even remember what uh, family line it was, but something like you know, most families have you know five hundred branches. This one had like three. <laughs> yeah. It, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh. Yeah. Upsetting. That that's upsetting. That's mm-hmm. real upsetting. But I, I, uh, back to Jason Momoa, he was delightful. He was. Yep. He got to use his regular voice, um, which I, always delightful. Yes. Really, <laughs> I know it made me think of Baja Tacos in California, um, but it's fine. I'm glad that Zendaya got to use her regular voice because, again, like being able to do accents is a skill that one has to learn and also one needs a certain amount of talent to really pull mm-hmm. it off just like singing and tap dancing mhm and if we've learned anything from the recent slew of musicals that hollywood is producing i think we can <laughs> say that we've learned that acting isn't something that means that you can sing no 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 they so real. And yeah, accents are hard, especially going from certain accents to other accents. You know? And the reality is we as Americans, the greater we, mm, think yes. people, Americans are much better at doing European accents than they in fact are. <laughs> right. That's simply not true. I was legit thinking about this last night. When you and I were discussing our our graphic novel idea and how it might make a good radio play. Mm -hmm. Yes. And our main character is of Russian descent. And I was thinking, do we do the accent? And I was like, 
we might think we do a good Russian accent, but I bet we don't. <laughs> I, bet. I yes. <laughs> I would bet all the money that we made at Wizard World <laughs> <laughs> that we would not do a good Russian accent. Do I think we could do a passable like hello and goodbye Russian accent? Sure. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But no, probably probably not good. Probably shouldn't. Probably shouldn't. <laughs> I'm just now looking at the time and I'm realizing what an amazing thing that you changed your schedule so we would have more time to record. I knew we wouldn't finish in an hour. No, no. And we I was like trying to watch it and we just mm, nope. soared. Nope. Soared right past and, it. And my client was just fine with pushing back a little bit. Um, what a delight. I know. I have the best clients in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, what... Me too. Ruth. The Ruth. What are we taking away from our Dune experience? Well... The Sci-Fi Channel did a a longer series of Dune that includes at least one of the sequels, which is Children of Dune. Oh, I re- I never watched that, but I remember that happening. Yes, I also remember it happening. Some mm. people said it was quite good. Some people said it was not so good. But it did well enough on the Sci-Fi Channel to get a sequel. Mm-hmm. That's not involving. That no, it's not. But it does involve Susan Sarandon and, and a young James McAvoy. Oh, all right. I like McAvoy. I know. So, um, I might watch that. Mm-hmm. But I also might just, like, wait to watch that until part two of Dune comes out, because then that can be a part of that pod discussion. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That does not really answer the question of what are we walking out of here with Dune. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let me start with this. Why did mm-hmm. you want to cover Dune? Because this, this was your idea. In the interest of honesty, and if we don't have honesty, like, really, what do we have? We decided to cover Dune because we found out the that the Eternals was not available on a streaming service. <laughs> and we did not feel like spending our hard-earned American dollars at a cinema to see the Eternals. Mm-hmm. Nor did we feel that we had the energy to sit through the multi-season, not multi-season, but multi-episode arc of Squid Game. Mm, that's right we did talk about squid game because we're like what's in the zeitgeist right now Mm -hmm. so some of this is that we were like what's what's happening what's happening (laughs) right now that we could talk about um but i think like the deeper answer is that though obviously dune is is a is a story that is like rife with problematic elements Mm -hmm. i it's a story that i continue to enjoy and that i continue enjoy talking about and thinking about Mm -hmm. it uses interesting archetypes it brings in witches and witchcraft in ways that like i don't feel like we often see in sci-fi and Mm -hmm. so i enjoy hanging out in that world um we didn't spend too much time talking about the fremen and the influence that obviously the muslim religion has on the fremen but that's 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 largely because the fremen are really given no appreciable screen time in dino's dune mm-hmm. and in denise dune they're not heavily they're not they're just not as heavily featured um no, because we just really met take, them we literally just met them 
Mm-hmm. We know that they are clearly an oppressed group. Um, we know that they have they know a lot more about Doom than any of the noble houses that are kicking it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, we're going to learn so much more in part two. And so, like, yeah, I think the Fremen are really interesting. Um, and so I think that's why I regularly come back to Dune as a person, because there's lots of layers. There are lots of things to discuss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, could, could you straighten something out for me? I certainly hope so. Hit me. Why did the Emperor want to kill the Duke? Um, I think he felt that the Duke was a threat to his power because the Duke had a lot of goodwill built up with other noble houses in the galaxy. Okay, because I mean, I I assumed it was because he's a stone cold fox, and <laughs> <laughs> I think that's part of it, though, right? Like, and I and, and actually, you know, and I don't. The movie hints at this, but I don't think mm-hmm. it like dies. I think it leaves it up to symbolic representation and thus interpretation, which is that. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that scene between Isaac and and Timote at during the first like? start of the movie do you recall the conversation that papa isaac and teenage paul have on kaladin at the cemetery i recall that they had a conversation yes they surely did and one and sort of the main thing that they're talking about is that paul is kind of like dad this is a really big legacy and i don't know if this is what i want mm-hmm. sure 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 and, and dad that dad says i didn't want it either i wanted to be a pilot and then i laughed because i was like you wanted to be a storm pilot (laughs) that's right Mm -hmm. (laughs) with his main bro john boyega Mm -hmm. and i wanted that too Mm -hmm. i think so many of us did um but that's not what papa isaac got Mm -hmm. he got a life where he in his words he like found his own way to bearing up the legacy Mm -hmm. which is to say he found a way to like maybe perhaps make peace with it partially make it his own but he's not doing much passing back of legacy burdens he is trying Mm -hmm. to find a way to maintain house atreides um and you see that in lots of things not the least of which is that he never marries his partner great love inexplicably named lady jessica Yeah, because his his dad would fight bulls for sport. It was really interesting, the bulls. And it did, gosh, we didn't spend much time on this at all, but it did make me think of uh, Joseph Campbell and how he talks about, like, the the mythic heroic animal. Mm, I was and how thinking it was of, once uh, the bull. Baal. Oh, tell me more. Well, uh, in, in the Bible, you know, Baal or Baal, mm. the the golden horse or the golden bull sure yeah which i suppose you know the bible took from other myths the Mm -hmm. lunar myths the goddess myths where the Mm -hmm. goddess lays down with the bull which i suppose does maybe play into some of that sexy stuff because ancient myths were all about goddesses getting it on with their bull sons Mm. Mm. 
Okay. But this anyway, is more I'm archetypal really, than we even realized. It really is. It really is. But I'm like, I promise I'm going to come back around to answer your question, which is <laughs> that from that conversation, I took that like Oscar Isaac is still very much engaged in what his father and his father before him wanted, which is to see House Atreides ensconced on the emperor's throne. Mm. And the emperor does not want that. And sees them as a threat and thus sends them to Arrakis where he intends to have the Harkonnens murder them. Right. But then he's got the shield of being like, I gave them a precious gift. Is it my fault that the Fremen murdered them? Right. Not me. I was just trying to be nice to them because so many people like House Atreides. They're, they're silver foxes. <laughs> Straight up. Whereas, now it's all coming back to me. Whereas um, Papa Isaac wanted Paul to marry the Empress's daughter. And mm. though you never see them have that conversation, I assumed that like, okay, this must be part of the legacy that he's trying to train Paul in. Because at one point, Paul is like, when he and his mom are trying to like run away, mm -hmm. and that nice Fremen is helping them, who is named... Oh, God, I'm so sorry, Dr. Leah Keynes. There's no way that that's how I pronounce your name. But you were great. And I really thought that Sharon Duncan Brewster, whose name I feel like I can pronounce, <laughs> did an excellent job in her portrayal. At any rate, she's trying to help him. And Paul's mm -hmm. like, no, Mom, we're going to like take it all back. And I'm going to demand to marry the emperor's daughter and then I'll sit on the throne. And his mom is like, whoa. That is a very detailed plan that does not really map with our current circumstances. Wow, I don't remember any of that. A lot was happening in this film. Yeah, there was a lot happening. And, and you don't get subtitles in movie theaters. Which is a real problem. It's a real problem. Because mm -hmm. not true. all of us can hear perfectly clearly at all times. And if you don't have the ability to back something up and play it again, which I didn't, because this was my first trip to a movie theater in two years, and I was sitting in the very, very back corner so that nobody would be in front of me. That's right. It was, it was just me and the staircase. <laughs> <laughs> you and the staircase just trying to figure out what is Paul saying? <laughs> He's just shouting. He does a lot of shouting. <laughs> I'm so curious to see what they do in Dune 2. Mm -hmm. Because the big question is, is Denis going to, well, there's a lot of big questions, but my big question is, what sort of a perspective is he going to take on the colonization mm -hmm. epic that is Dune? Which is another reason I find Dune really interesting is that like, it's both like critiquing and endorsing, but then critiquing again, but then sort of endorsing again, but then not really sure what to do about <laughs> colonization. Right. Because let me be clear is horrible. Right. We aren't approving of colonization. No. But it, it is interesting that in the story, the, the indigenous people just keep winning. I mean, they're, they continue to be oppressed, but they keep like... Yeah. It, it made me think of, um, you know, studying uh, yogis in India mm. who during uh, colonialism like used yoga as a way to like guerrilla fighting 
to fight back against the British. And like they did pretty well being yes. guerrilla fighters out out in the areas where the Brits had no idea what was going on. And now this makes me think of one of my favorite scenes from The Dark Knight. Where Alfred, played by Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Talks about <laughs> one day, one time when he was a member of the British colonial army in India. There was this person who just kept like burning shit up. Mm. Inexplicably. Because some men just want to watch the world burn. And it was like, no, Michael, some people just want you to get the hell out of their country. <laughs> Oh Michael Caine as Alfred did not see that. <laughs> I, to be honest, I've seen that film a billion times, and I have never paid attention to that speech other than some men just want to watch the world burn. Mm -hmm. And now, if I watch it again, I'll be like, he's <laughs> he's perpetuating colonialism. Mm hmm. And. Again, obviously, Frank Herbert, a very controversial writer that wrote lots of like problematic things. It is really fascinating to me in the time that he was writing that he was mm -hmm. attempting to engage with this idea of colonialism, attempting to gain, engage with this idea of freedom fighters and ultimately the jihad mm -hmm. in a way that was not damning of freedom fighters who are also mm. sometimes called terrorists and was not damning of the jihad like it it it's not what i would have expected of a, a white dude writing mm -hmm. in 1960s america yeah so i'm very curious to see what does dune part two hold mm. feels like a beautiful place for us to close for the day i think so so we we did a lot of isomorphism today um, but outside of that, are there any um, terms that folks would potentially want to remember? Um, we talked a lot about uh, legacy burdens. Hmm? We talked about transgenerational trauma, but didn't quite name it that way, but we're naming it now. Mm -hmm. And then archetypes, because you mm -hmm. can't really talk about Dune without. Oh, need those archetypes. And we stayed very firmly in the realm of Dune. That's we a sure win. did. I don't think yes. we strayed at all. No, we we stayed in 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 the Dune pantheon. Mm -hmm. um, a Dune theon. The Dune. <laughs> <laughs> that can be our hashtag. Um, the only time we we strayed was for me to do that quote from Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Okay. <laughs> we may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. You are the pug to our house Atreides. <laughs> Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way that you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and most especially review us on Apple Podcasts. Even if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, it really helps our analytics.
Just a reminder that our book, Starship Therapies, Using Therapeutic Fan Fiction to Rewrite Your Life, is now available at all of your favorite booksellers. So order yourself a copy, or two, or three. Get them for friends. Get them for holidays. Thanksgiving is here. Christmas is coming. So Hanukkah. Are, so, so is Hanukkah, and Kwanzaa, and the solstice. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Buy a book and give it to your friends. Then ask them to write a review of it. <laughs> and be sure to share all of this information with your social networks. And keep engaging with us on social media. We so enjoy that. And as always, friends, live, live long and, and prosper. prosper.